Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nathaniel Paul Thurston, and across from me is Mr. Chuck Thompson. How's it going today, Chuck? War. It's it's still a war. It's still a know? war. There's a few people from the live group who were away, didn't have their phones, didn't pay attention to anything. They had no idea what was happening across the world, and honestly, not a bad idea. I'm I'm envious of them. Mm. Really, I really am. They, the jealousy they, is raging. It's, you know, I didn't spend too much time watching war this weekend, not as much as I did earlier in the week, but uh, it is better just to unplug from things every once in a while. You feel better, yeah. you know? I mean, is it good to just remain blissfully ignorant? Is that is that a good strategy? Sometimes, I think. Sometimes, I maybe mean, for your mental health. For your mental health, mm-hmm. probably. That's true. I do notice when I unplug and don't pay attention, I feel generally happier mm-hmm. well because and that's because the narrative of media is typically what what gets the most attention it's it's negative mm-hmm. news. you know the good news network that we plug that we steal from <laughs> basically for good, white pill wednesday they don't it doesn't get as much attention not as popular there. of a website no because people want to know when and how they're going to die yeah and so if it's if it's nuclear war then that's what they want to look for I don't. Yeah, that's that's the narrative. I don't think we're going to have a nuclear war. And if I'm wrong on that, then I don't care because I've got worse things to deal with after that. So I'll go ahead and make the proclamation that we're if not you're wrong have on a that. It doesn't war. matter. Yeah, <laughs> I will stand fast and say we're not going to have a nuclear war. Look at Nate being the optimist here. right here. Okay. Wow. And we're going to die from climate oh, change. How clearly. the turntables? Oh, how the turntables! This is Good Morning Liberty, a place where we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning. And, of course, uh, the daily news that's going on around the world and the universe, for that matter, the whole, when we feel it. like it. Yeah. Is yeah. there a specific universe news site that you go to? No. I just, when something's happening, like, you know, telescopes in outer space or satellites potentially, I mean, that involves the universe. So yeah. we, we bring that to you, too. But what we do here, if you're new, because I know there are a lot of new listeners with the numbers going up. Uh, we give a liberty perspective on everything that's happening around us. And we believe that people being as free as they possibly can be and holding to what I like to call three basic principles, life, liberty, and property, all derived under self and ownership, how that can create the most prosperous, prosperous, prosperous world and uh, bring about the best for humanity. Mm-hmm. So that's what we try to talk about here. And then, of course, with that comes a lot of nuanced discussion, things that Nate and I aren't afraid to admit when we're wrong about things. In fact, Nate will even include himself in Dumb Bleep of the Week yeah. when he makes an err. That, um, and, luckily, uh, I it appreciate didn't... you for your humbleness, oh, humble king. Luckily, it didn't blow up on TikTok. We got, we're going to get about 5,000 views on that video of us talk, making fun of my tweet about Russia and Ukraine. So, you know, it's not going to be one of the bigger ones or anything. But we did put that up on our TikTok. Mm-hmm. Us making fun of one of our own tweets. Who is going to do that? You're going to watch CNN and they're going to do a segment making fun of something that CNN said? No. no. So stop watching CNN and start watching Good Morning Liberty. Exactly. Okay. You do the math. All right. Russia bombards Kharkiv. High stakes talks underway. By the way, they're having some peace talks today or at least ceasefire talks. Here's how I imagine the negotiation. Uh, Russia is going to go in and say, 
if you do everything that we want, then then we're going to stop. And that's They'll basically the Russian, negotiation. Though, they probably won't do it in English. That's true. I was way off on that. Hmm. Okay. Well, I don't know how to say that, but in <laughs> Russia, they'll say what I just said. Okay. And, and uh, so Russia and Ukrainian delegations began talks Monday for the first time as Russia's multi-front assault on the country entered its fifth day. This is from WAPO, by the way. They met near the border with Belarus as the U.S. and Western countries sought to tighten their financial stranglehold on Russia's banking system. As discussions were underway, three areas of Kharkiv, Ukraine's second largest city, came under significant attack, killing at least 11 and sending dozens to area hospitals. According to the Pentagon, Russia is facing more resistance in the capital, Kiev, than it was expecting. I think we have seen that. It seems to be a little bit more than what people were expecting. Mm -hmm. So the sides in this negotiation seem pretty far apart. The Ukrainians would demand an immediate ceasefire and the withdrawal of Russian troops, according to Zelensky's office. The Kremlin said it was willing to talk on the condition that Ukraine demilitarize and denazify. So they have to get rid of all the Nazis. Okay. Yeah. Also weird. What we'll be talking about here pretty soon is the Nazis also apparently support Russia is what we're figuring out mm -hmm. here, in, here in the United States. But Russia's sole purpose right here is to denazify Ukraine. It's all getting very confusing. And they're like, Hey, we defeated the Nazis once. We're not afraid to go after them again. <laughs> and until, until you denazify. This, that's we're not leaving i imagine that meme of charlie from it's always sunny and he's like explaining this big conspiracy theory on the board you know and all these lines that's what it looks like in the back of like cnn's newsroom and at the top it says the narrative up there and they're mm. trying to draw all these lines together and figure all this out going crazy because man this is getting muddy right now it's all it's everywhere yeah. at once mm. it's very confusing get your brooms it's a mess folks so that's what we have. We'll see what comes from these talks today. I don't know what it's going to be. My most likely scenario, if there were to be some capitulation from Ukraine, is that they'll end up giving up those uh, territories over there to the to the east. I can't remember what they're calling them now, but uh, the, the Donbass region. Yeah, that they, if anything, that they would say, okay, fine. You guys can take that if you leave everywhere else. Now, I don't know if that's what they're going to do. That's pure speculation. I'm not putting that in a tweet or anything like that. That's just if they were to give in on something, that's what I think would be something they would give in on. Now, my hope is there is a ceasefire. I mean, with nobody, I don't think anybody likes war. Yeah. Well, some people do. But uh, like, like, for instance, I could say potentially somebody like Jocko who signed up to be, you know, in the, in the Navy SEALs and Probably. He still doesn't mean he likes war. I'm not saying he just likes it. He He's just to, built, yeah. like built for it. Mm -hmm. In that essence, like some some people are built to you know for war, and mm -hmm. they want to be in there. You Costco's know? right. Politicians love war. That's where you get a lot of money. There's a lot of money moving around right now. Mm. I tell you what, I bet you some people are lining their pockets like you never seen. Mm -hmm. Well, you have seen it because we've been in other countries for the last Yeah, it's interesting forever. how that uh, how that always seems to be the case when it comes to war. All right, this coming from AP News. Uh, ruble plummets as sanctions bite, sending Russians to banks. So it looks like uh, the ruble went down like almost 50%. The Russian stock market didn't even open today. I saw uh, that. They were down like 50%. It's a lot. So it's, uh, it's, a, big, it's a big thing. And now I do want to say, I'm going to go through this article. Let's go through the article first, and I'll, I'll tell you what I think about what Russia thinks about this thing. What I think 
that Russia thinks about the sanctions. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're a Putin sympathizer, so you no. probably know exactly what they're thinking. The Russian currency plunged about 30% against the U.S. dollar Monday after Western nations announced moves to block some Russian banks from the SWIFT international payment system and to restrict Russia's use of its massive foreign currency reserves. Now, if you don't know what SWIFT is, basically it's the international exchange that large institutions, large banks do their uh, transactions. Mm-hmm. It all it all runs through Belgium. Mm-hmm. So it processes about 30 million transactions a day. And uh, so them being blocked from that, it means it's they're having trouble selling oil. And now, this is not totally nature. blocked from that. They block some banks. Some of their that. banks. Yeah. Not totally, but... I, yeah, it does make it harder to do those types of things. So the Biden administration officials said Germany, France, the UK, Italy, Japan, European Union, others will join the U.S. in targeting the Russian Central Bank. In Russia, people uh, wary that the sanctions could deal a crippling, crippling blow to the economy have been flocking to banks and ATMs for days with reports and social media of long lines and machines running out. Moscow's Department of Public Transport warned city residents over the weekend that they might experience problems with using Apple Pay, Google Pay, and Samsung Pay to pay fares because VTB, one of Russian banks facing sanctions, handles card payments in Moscow's metro buses and trams. The Russian government will have to step in to support declining industries, banks, and economic sectors, but without access to hard currencies like the U.S. dollar and euro, they may have to result to printing more rubles. It's a move that could quickly spiral into hyperinflation which is a magical thing <laughs> that this nobody just, <laughs> nobody knows how it happens this is just russian corporate greed is it's, all they're dealing with exactly. over there actually but it's yeah. it's, it's, it's it's a problem it's ma- it's a magical problem but it's yeah. a problem now look i mentioned this on the show the other day and so my nuanced conversation or you could call it a conspiracy is uh I don't think Putin is dumb enough to know that this wasn't going to happen. I think he's already calculated this. And I, and I see that in the trend over the last 20 years of Russia increasing its gold reserves. And I talked about this the other day. I did the calculations and they have roughly $250 billion of gold reserves. Now in this inflationary period, as you can, if you look at the gold prices, they're on the rise, uh, approaching $2,000 an ounce, I think, again, close to somewhere around there. That's $1,850 or $1,900 for an ounce. Uh, so as that goes up, well, it's protected against, you know, global inflation, let's say, which is what's happening. And so, I, I, you know, to me, Putin probably saw this coming as one way that uh, countries who weren't going to actually participate in you know, boots on the ground type of war against them. So to me, I don't know if this is that big of a deal, although it is a big deal for the Russian citizens Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to being able to pay for things, because I believe there's a lot of companies, uh, not just the governments that are making it more difficult for them to use their services like Apple pay, Google pay, Samsung pay, and others that are making it uh, really, really difficult. Now I have another question for you which is Germany is in on these sanctions, yet they get like 80% of their natural gas from, from Russia. Mm-hmm. So now the summer months are coming up, which is good, uh, but it's still cold right now. Yeah. So what happens if Germany doesn't get their gas that they need to heat homes? I think they'll still find a way to, uh, to get that gas. 
I think that I think that's going to happen. Or maybe they'll work on some other deals with some other countries. I don't know. I I, I don't know exactly what's going to happen right now. Yeah, we're getting some oil from Russia as well right now. We still get we're still getting things from them, so we're still going to be transferring money to them, even though we're putting all these sanctions on. Uh, so I don't know what Germany is going to do about this whole thing. Um, there's a we'll play a clip here in a little bit. This this uh, talk, this NATO talk that Trump Trump was just tearing into Germany on this thing. And we're going to talk a little bit about Trump during this episode, and a little bit about NATO and some of the rhetoric that's out there right now. Um, the other thing on a libertarian philosophy thing with sanctions, you know, I understand the sanctions and all that. I understand it's better than physical war and everything. But when we're doing these sanctions, do you think Putin's life is going to get really, is it going to change all that much? Oh, maybe, maybe if everything goes terribly, they'll end up removing him from power or he'll die of a mysterious illness or uh, get killed in a hunting accident out in the snowy woods somewhere. I'm not real sure, but it's really the people who end up suffering from this. And what you're essentially doing is trying to put pressure on the people so the people will put pressure on the government. It's a little bit more difficult when you have a government that doesn't really care what the people think all that much. You know, they just imagine they're in a much worse position as far as how the government treats the people than we are here. And so we're going to end up really, really affecting the lives of millions of people with this. And I know that that really stems back to Putin's actions on what they're doing with Ukraine. So like at the end of the day, that's his fault. They shouldn't have gone into Ukraine. I just think that we don't need to talk about these sanctions as if it's just this easy thing that's just going to hurt the government officials in Russia. I just want everyone to keep in mind that this is going to have real world ramifications for everyday people that already didn't have an amazing standard of living. And they're going to be the people that really struggle through this and that are going to have a hard time recovering from it. I mean, from Nancy Pelosi's own world, own words, um, Putin's probably the richest man in the world. Yeah. We just don't. He's we just not, don't know. He doesn't make the Forbes list. They don't have to do those SEC filings. But or his anything, estimated so. net worth, I think, is is um, it's, it's it's in the hundreds of billions. It's in the hundreds of billions, mm -hmm. 200, 300, 400 billion. So he might be the richest person in the world. The other thing I was going to say about this is that, and somebody in the live group said that Putin planned for this, so it's possible. Not only did it see it coming, he could have planned for it to happen. Is another thing that Russia has done over the last twenty years when you look at their financials is they've increased their reserves of the Chinese yen. So that is now their third largest holding. Oh, it was Japan that had the yen. I don't know, maybe I'm messing that up. Or right sorry, now. yuan. Chinese yeah. yuan. My bad. Um and so that is now their third largest holding and and clearly China has not done anything I, uh, against Russia. And so now you have uh, potentially China backing Russia. And then plus, I mean, who else does China need to, or who else does Russia really need to trade with? Like when yeah. you're talking about need to trade with somebody, I mean, China is the number one exporter in the world. Who do they actually need to trade with China? Really? I mean, do yeah. they need to trade with anybody else when you need something? Do you need to have trade with anybody else? Todd mentioned they waited until after the Beijing Olympics to do the invasion mm -hmm. that, uh, that just ended. They, you know, didn't want to dust up all of that while that was going on. Um, yeah, I've, I've entertained some of those, uh, I'm just throwing out questions. Conspiratorial views in my head that I maybe know. this is a plan between Russia and China to in fact, maybe move the world reserve currency system away from I, the U S dollar. I've talked about this for a long time. All it would take is China and Russia teaming up together, basically, 
and getting almost everyone else off the dollar. Now, a lot of people want to see, of course, the European countries want to see the, the Euro be the, the world currency, the reserve currency of the world. And with America running at $30 trillion in debt now with 120% debt to income ratio and everything else, or debt to GDP, sorry. Um, with everything else, I mean, it's not a bad time for other countries to see an opening yeah. and take a shot at weakness and say, hey, maybe we can pull this off uh, by drawing people in and potentially change the reserve currency of the world and we can trade oil in something else now. Yeah. Well, um, let's get into a little bit of this Trump talk. The reason this matters is because if you entertain any nuanced conversation right now about NATO or about uh, about any not su- not supporting you or not militarily supporting Ukraine, or let's say that we don't have any money, and so sometime you're out there and you're like, well, I don't think we should give a billion dollars to Ukraine because we don't have any money. You know, something like that. You're going to get tied in with some of the stuff that Trump has been saying with this whole Trumpism, nationalism. Of course, he was just cozy, cozy with Putin, all of that. And so the media is doing a really great job. Well, he's a Russian plant. Oh, yeah. Clearly, we heard about that for mm. forever, that Russia put Trump in power. And so just to start off some of this, they're talking about some of Trump's words that he said, I believe it was last week. Trump spoke, will Republicans follow him on Russia from CNN? Donald Trump has signaled to Republicans that Russian President Vladimir Putin is a genius for invading Ukraine. Now, that seems misleading to me. Mm. Uh, but but whatever. He said the word genius. Okay, so we'll, we'll let him have that for a second. Will the party's lawmakers back President Joe Biden as he stands up to Putin? Or, as the majority did with the collective amnesia on January 6th, Will they retreat on promised sanctions and support for Ukraine? The old party Republicans used to stand up to Russia. During the Cold War, Ronald Reagan demanded that Soviet General Mikhail Gorbachev tear down this wall. They used to oppose unwarranted invasions. The GOP used to oppose unwarranted invasions. In 1990, George H.W.B. said to Iraqi leader Saddam Hussein that this aggression against Kuwait will not stand. They used to recognize that even modern Russia is a threat to the, to the U.S. Mitt Romney, who became a Republican presidential nominee in 2012, said that year, in 2012, that Russia was the United States' main geopolitical foe. And what they don't mention in this is that everyone on the left was making fun of him. Yeah. For this whole thing. Ten years ago. Uh, for instance, I'll play this 16-second video real quick of Obama making fun of him for saying this. That'll be a good way to... Get that point across. Let's just play that here real quick. Governor Romney, I'm glad that you recognize that Al-Qaeda is a threat. Because a few months ago, when you were asked what's the biggest geopolitical threat facing America, you said Russia. Not Al-Qaeda. You said Russia. In the 1980s are now calling to ask for their foreign policy back. Because, you know, the Cold War has been over for 20 years. Okay. The 1980s are calling and asking for their foreign policy back. Yeah. Hilarious. Um, but anyway, right now, while Romney is out there talking negatively about Trump supporters, they're giving Romney credit for saying that Russia was a problem back in 2012, even though their guy was making fun of him for that whole mm. thing. Anyway, the party is under the influence of Trump, who heaped admiration on Putin for invading another country with a democratically elected leader. 
There's a lot of things right there. Okay, so the party's under the influence of Trump, who heaped admiration on Putin for invading another country with a democratically elected leader. Now, when Trump was president, they wouldn't even say that America had a democratically elected leader. Right. Are they really looking at Russia's elections and the fact that Putin's been in there for 20 years or have along and they're saying, oh, well, they talking about a, oh, they're talking about Ukraine and, uh, and that they have a democratically elected leader. Do they think that Ukraine's elections, that Russia's, any of them have been fair and sound? No, they don't think that. They would look at Ukraine's if they wanted to go in there and say, uh, well, Russia was actually meddling in Ukraine's elections. So therefore, none of those people have any legitimacy whatsoever. I'm just saying, we go through these different time periods where they won't even say that the current president is legitimate and now they're going to throw all this praise on someone and he heaped admiration on Putin. He said that he was savvy and genius. That doesn't mean that you think he did a good thing, by the right. way. doesn't mean that you agree with what he did. We talked about this last week. You can say that you think what Putin's, what Putin did was genius. It was when I heard about it, the first thought on my head was genius. Because he basically said that they were going to recognize those regions and send in peacekeeping troops. That's genius. Also following what America does. Yeah. <laughs> it's brilliant. It really is. Yeah. Is it a good thing? No. Do I support him doing it? No. Was it genius as far as playing the game where you're moving pieces around? Yes. Yeah. It was. There's a thing called evil genius. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, I don't, that doesn't mean that you're supporting what he's doing. There's room for nuance in this conversation. You could, you could dupe me out of a million dollars. Yeah. And I'd be like, that was genius. Okay, that was I good. didn't see that coming. Yeah. That was right. nice. Way to play. Way to play the game. <laughs> I'm not happy yeah. about you taking the million dollars from me that I, cause I don't have it. So I'd have to come up with it. Um, I mean, you respect the, respect I would, the player, you know, I would, I would respect the move. Mm -hmm. and, and then also, are we not a country that has invaded democratically elected uh, president? We don't, we don't support leading those countries elections. Those elections were fraudulent. That's the, that's yeah. the thing. Yeah. So uh, whatever, which they were, they likely were fraudulent. Yeah. But th this is all just a bunch of political. Let's skip down to the next article. Cause we have a lot of stuff to go through. So, um, yeah. we have, we're going to have a little bit of talk about whether or not Trump was in fact tough on Russia, because now the idea is that he's, uh, basically was cozied up to him for a while and now he's going to act like he was tough on them. When you actually look at the research on this, he's pretty tough on them. Yeah. But anyway, there's a little bit more hyperbole going on This is from here. the WAPO and likes to the CNN. Totally unrelated. Yeah. Uh, Romney is right. MAGA Republicans are almost treasonous. So just another way. This is just so ridiculous. Donald Trump spent four years cozying up to and helping further the geopolitical aims of Russian President Vladimir Putin. If Putin had handpicked an agent to be President of the United States, he could hardly have expected better results. Now, God, we went through the investigations for four years. The dude was impeached twice, and it all turned out to be false. Just like, uh, just like us, the Syrian's president chemical attack on his own people was false. Well, they, just like there weren't weapons of mass destruction, just like all these other lies that the government and corporate media would have you believe propaganda. You could call it that turned out not to be true. They impeached them the first time over the quick 
quid pro quo. I always want to say squid pro robe from Austin Powers. That's what, <laughs> what always pops in my head. Squid they, pro robe, baby. They, they, they uh, impeached him based on that with Ukraine, where he was basically trying to get Ukraine to investigate Hunter Biden uh, over the first thing, and that came out. And, uh, and they did eventually give the military aid to Ukraine, which we'll talk about here in a second. The second time was over January 6th. Uh, that they that they impeached them, and the whole time we've gone through this massive investigation over whether or not Trump was working with Russia during the election. They found nothing where there were any direct ties. Was Russia meddling in the election? Yeah, they were. You know, they they found that. Did they find that the Trump campaign was soliciting that meddling and feeding off of it or anything? No, they didn't find. You no, know why? Because they, they would have told you that they found it. They found the opposite of yeah. almost the opposite of that, which was it was Hillary Clinton's campaign. <laughs> yeah, that was actually spying on Donald Trump's campaign and creating this entire narrative from the from the get go. It doesn't matter though. We're they because what they say is they say is truth. Uh, that's what it is. George Orwell said the media, the people will believe what the media tell them to believe. And unless it, you come here, unless you listen to this. Well, in which case, maybe you'll believe what the media telling you to yeah. believe. <laughs> so Trump certainly exceeded any expectations Putin might have, uh, have had with fawning admiration, disparaging NATO, extorting Ukraine by withholding military aid, leaving Russia's election meddling unpunished inviting Putin back into the group of seven and attacking our own intelligence community to this day, which by the way, spied on his campaign. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he attacked our and intelligence community. Spied on him <laughs> while he was president. Yeah. To this day, the defeated former president continues to praise Putin. Smart. By the way, they said that he way. withheld military aid from Ukraine. They did end up giving the military aid to Ukraine. Um, mm. which Obama didn't give any military military aid to Ukraine, even though they were asking for it. Um, th there's just, God, the rewriting of history on all this is, is driving me nuts. I shouldn't let it drive me nuts, but it really is. And he continues to denigrate the United States, calling them dumb and our allies, which, uh, I don't know, we've done a lot of dumb things, just by this. the way. So... This brings us to the second group of Republicans, the cowardly and incoherent latecomers to Ukraine's side. They would, have, they would have us forget Trump's appeasement and his unabated flattery for Putin. One cannot be an unrepentant apologist for Trump and favor his return to the presidency. And listen to this here, mm -hmm. by the way. Favor his return to the presidency while also taking Ukraine's side and defending Western democracies. You cannot favor... Trump's return to the presidency. They're already starting. And take Ukraine's side. They're already starting. These are diametrically opposed goals. We dare not return to power Trump acolytes who denigrate America. Bolster. <laughs> They're worried about people denigrating America. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> These same people who support denigrating America when it comes to their causes and how all we are is a, a structure built upon slavery. White supremacy. White supremacy. <laughs> patriarchal oppression. How dare Trump denigrate America, this evil racist nation. <laughs> <laughs> built upon lies. Bolster oh. authoritarianism, rationalize political violence, abhor a free press, and fail to stand up to Putin's favorite patsy. Rationalize political violence. Yeah. That's Antifa. only something that the right does. It's only. That's it. You've seen no rationalization of any political violence mm. ever, ever. Abhor a free press. Mm. Mm. 
Which, by the <laughs> way, I, fighting to censor people. And turn, yes. Oh, God. Yeah. This is amazing. So now there's a third category of Republicans, including Trump, Marjorie Taylor, and Fox News' Tucker Carlson. Uh, disclaimer, I'm an MSNBC contributor, mm. as the writer says. Remains supportive of Putin. A flock of right-wing media personalities echo their namesake, American firsters of the 1930s, who insisted we had no dog in Europe's war, which we didn't, Mm. by the way. Consider what would have occurred if Trump had been elected in 2020. Ukraine, perhaps the Baltics, too, would be cooked, and the West would be in disarray. (sighs) You know, what's also, they're saying, consider what would have happened if Trump would have been elected in 2020, although they have a period of four years where Ukraine didn't invade anyone while Trump was president. Russia didn't invade anyone. Yeah, Russia. Sorry, where Russia didn't invade anyone. While Trump was president. They're making this assumption, even though they had uh, taken Crimea. Even though it's actually happening on biden's watch not only as president but as vice president yeah but they're saying imagine what would have happened yeah if trump would have been elected don't look at what's happening think about the what ifs they're way scarier okay okay anyway there's this interesting i'm just amazed at how this continues to happen every day Mm -hmm. it's just uh and people go for it by the way they um you know uh Abolish NATO was trending. There's a earmuffs thing, only it's a text version here in a minute. Um, Abolish NATO was trending on Twitter. And I went on there and all the top responses, right now they're actual Libertarian Party pages, but all the top responses were from people talking about how this was Putinist, a Putinist hashtag. Hey, Twitter support, lose the Putinist, abolish NATO hashtag. And uh, then they post some other stuff. Abolish NATO is a dangerous Russian campaign meant to push the narrative that NATO should be abolished as NATO is the primary force that's standing against Putin, Hitler's efforts to take over the Ukraine. Which is weird because they're wanting Ukraine to denazify. <laughs> so I don't know how it's Putin, <laughs> it's, Hitler. It's very weird. It is strange. That's why I'm saying this whole narrative, it's so muddied right now. Every... Like they're Nazis wanting to do this, this Putin well, Hitler okay. thing, but you what you're but seeing Russia What you're seeing is the culmination of ideological inconsistencies. Mm-hmm. And so now this is all coming together and it's gonna get worse before it gets better. But when you are so ideologically inconsistent and everything starts running together, as you call it, getting muddy, this is the this is the product of that. This is what happens when you start to see all of these conflicting narratives come together and you're still trying to drive that major narrative, but saying all kinds of different things. You don't know your head from a hole in the washing machine. <laughs> just like my granddaddy which, used to say, which tumbles mm-hmm. your head's tumbling right now. Mm-hmm. This is also what happens when there aren't any clearly good sides in something like, Oh, the U S what they're doing is all perfect. No, it's not. What Russia's doing is all uh, terrible. And there's not a single argument that can be made for them ever. That's not exactly true. Now, there's no excuse for invading a country that has done nothing to harm you whatsoever. Okay. But when you talk about the NATO thing, I can understand part of the argument, although I don't think that that's what they care about at all. I think the whole NATO narrative is, is totally false. But I do think we could talk about NATO. We could talk about whether or not we still need to be in this entangling alliance, this unstable alliance, whether or not we need to commit our people to fight wars for these other countries without any uh without congress going and 
voting and the people deciding on that, you know, just deciding that we're always going to be in a potential state of war because of these alliances, I think we can have that conversation and it not mean that you're supporting Putin invading Ukraine. Because I could entertain the conversation about NATO and still say, no, Putin, you're wrong for invading Ukraine. And there need to be repercussions for that. Newsflash, libertarians and liberty-minded people have wanted to abolish NATO for, uh, I don't know, forever since we joined, Yeah, probably. There have been people against NATO since we joined. Yeah. It, like, as if somehow standing by the principle of, of you know, not adhering to things that we shouldn't be adhering to, right? Because we have a constitution which says that Congress must declare war. So, I mean, oh, forgive me for supporting something that I've supported way before Russia decided to invade Ukraine five days ago. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. Uh, what I mean by NATO being unstable, first off, I'm just partially quoting George Washington, who's, who was talking about the unstable alliances. And uh, also, it's unstable because look at what's going on right right now like the there's people wanting to still take ukraine russia probably wants to take some of those other nato countries uh, that also used to be part of the soviet union and it seems just a little bit unstable to me you don't know what's going to happen from day to day i understand obviously the argument of of an alliance that if you attack this country that's an attack against all and we're going to come back against you and I, I totally get it i understand all of those points for sure but I'll just th go ahead and throw I, out. I like, I like Joe's comment here. He says, we need NATO. If we didn't have it, Russia would be invading other countries. Yeah. Oh, wait. Yeah. and <laughs> They already are. <laughs> and by the way, Russia's excuse is BS. Like we said the other day, oh, there's too many NATO countries on our borders. Well, actually, if they take Ukraine, there's more NATO countries on their borders than there were to start with. Yeah. So that, that's not a great argument. They're actually increasing the number of NATO countries on their borders. It's not like they're scared that NATO is going to invade them sometime. It's a BS excuse. Here's what actually happened. They lost these regions. And as a point of principle, as a point of pride, they always have had this plan of getting them back. And then Ukraine had talked about joining NATO. They knew that if they joined NATO, they wouldn't be able to get Ukraine back. Okay. And so they said, you know what? Eventually, in, in the timeline of history here, we're going to take these places back. We're going to restore them back to the, to the motherland. And so we better do it now before this actually happens. Okay. So I, I, I don't think that it gives them an excuse to do it. I'm just saying that's, that's a likely part of the reason. They've always wanted to resorb Ukraine back into Russia. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's a secret. My question is now, when it comes to us taking our money and our people and helping someone, here's the weird thing to me. I'll just try, I'll throw out this inconsistency. I don't think anyone in our group or really anyone listening would agree that we need to send U.S. troops into Ukraine to fight back Russia right now. I don't think anyone would agree to that. And the weird thing is, is that if they had signed the, this piece of paper, then we would say that they needed to go into Ukraine and defend against Russia right now. So right now we're saying it's not in our best interest to do this. This doesn't really concern us. But if they were a member of NATO, then it does concern us. And we do need to go in there and fight simply because they are or they are not a member of NATO. And I realize that the member of NATO thing is meant as a deterrent, so they won't go in and do that. But I'm asking on the principle of, is this in our best interest to send people in there and, and fight for Ukraine's homeland there? And the answer for most people right now is no, we do not want to send people in there. 
So what I want to know is why, if we were a member of NATO, does it automatically become in our best interest that we go and do that? I don't see that it does. All we did was sign a piece of paper. Mm. We don't have to have that piece of paper right now. If it's in our best interest, let's go do it. <laughs> That's it. Let's go do it. Well, and as you alluded to, this is what the founders warned against. Uh, Washington warned against it in his farewell address. Thomas Jefferson spoke about this. Um, the, um, the alliances, be careful, basically, of foreign alliances. There's no reason to entangle yourselves in other people's, you know, uh, imperial conquest or whatever. There's no reason to entangle yourself in that because it can get very muddy. And then all of a sudden you're dragged into something that maybe you shouldn't be a part of because it's not, you have nothing to do with it whatsoever. And so somebody help me, somebody help explain to me how we are the de facto world police as if somehow we have a say in uh, deciding what other human beings across the world should and shouldn't be doing. Now we can condemn them obviously and be like, okay, well obviously, uh, uh, you know, murdering other people in other countries. We're against that obviously because we're for life, liberty and, and free people. Um, but at the same time, why exactly uh, does America get a say? And I think, I think our founders are very smart about this. Not only that, but in the Constitution, like you and I were having this conversation earlier, like let's set up NATO as some type of agreement and let's put it in uh, what would actually be a constitutionally sound agreement. Now, the, the, the founders did give the executive branch the right to exercise treaties. Okay, so this is a treaty, essentially. Um, and so that is, that's okay. But the exercise of war... Pause. One thing I want to know is, was the treaty to end wars or was the treaty to sign us up for unlimited wars? We'll see. Okay. You know? Here's the thing. I think this is where I'm saying both could possibly exist. Um, but the, the, the power of declaring war, the power of war is to the people through their representatives. Meaning that if let's say, let's say Ukraine was a NATO country Okay, and we we had this treaty. Article five was invoked. Attack on one is attack on all. Congress should still have to vote to go to war mm -hmm. because that's what the Constitution says. And they can only they can only designate money to that war for two years, which means we should only be given NATO money every two years as voted on by the Congress. I Congress should have to vote every two years of whether or not they want to send money and support to NATO if we're going to remain as part of that. Otherwise, we pull our funding from them. Now, we can still be a part of it. We just pull our funding. And if they want to invite us back in or whatever, sure thing. But this, this is something that should be voted on every two years, and the people should get to decide. So if you want to say both could exist, I think that's the way you do it. But I don't think I, – I agree with our founders that we should be wary of these foreign alliances that could be more detriment, cause more detriment than good. Uh, speaking of, and I felt that way for a long time, by the way, talking about this money and whether, whether or not we pull our funding, this, uh, this clip was circulating over the weekend of Trump, uh, talking at a NATO meeting with Germany and just kind of going along this line of how was Trump on NATO? Did Trump hate NATO? I think Trump was a good negotiator. I think the whole, oh, we're just going to pull away from NATO. I think that's a negotiating tactic where, hey, we're paying a bigger portion than everyone else. We're paying a bigger piece of our GDP than everyone else. 
uh, we need to fix this. We need other countries to put in. Actually, you know what? I'm thinking about just walking away. I think we're just going to leave NATO and take all of our money off the table. Mm -hmm. Okay. He's a good negotiator. All right. So listen to this clip real quick of how he's talking to, uh, to Germany on this. I like how this the tweet says, although I should add, I absolutely don't like Trump. Yeah. You have to say that. <laughs> Make sure everybody knows. Hey, just so everyone knows, neither one of us voted for Trump. We had two options to do it. Neither one of us did. Just so everyone knows. All right. Let me blow this up. It's very sad when Germany makes a massive oil and gas deal with Russia where you're supposed to be guarding against Russia and Germany goes out and pays billions and billions of dollars a year to Russia. So we're protecting Germany, we're protecting France, we're protecting all of these countries. And then numerous of the countries go out and make a pipeline deal with Russia where they're paying billions of dollars into the coffers of Russia. So we're supposed to protect you against Russia, but they're paying billions of dollars to Russia. And I think that's very inappropriate. And the former chancellor of Germany is the head of the pipeline company that's supplying the gas. Uh, ultimately, Germany will have almost 70% of their country controlled by Russia with natural gas. So you tell me, is that appropriate? I mean, I've been complaining about this from the time I got in. It should have never been allowed to have happened. But Germany is totally controlled by Russia because they were getting from 60 to 70% of their energy from Russia and a new pipeline. And you tell me if that's appropriate, because I think it's not. And I think it's a very bad thing for NATO, and I don't think it should have happened. And I think we have to talk to Germany about it. On top of that, Germany is just paying a little bit over 1%, whereas the United States, in actual numbers, is paying 4.2% of a much larger GDP. So I think that's inappropriate also. You know, we're protecting Germany, we're protecting France, we're protecting everybody. And yet we're paying a lot of money to protect. Now, this has been going on for decades. This has been brought up by other presidents, but other presidents never did anything about it because I don't think they understood it or they just didn't want to get involved. But I have to bring it up because I think it's very unfair to our country. It's very unfair to our taxpayer. And I think that these countries have to step it up, not over a 10-year period. They have to step it up immediately. Okay. One thing, one thing I have to say I did like about Trump was he wasn't afraid to say whatever the hell he wanted to say. Yeah, that's he would uh, come probably to the why table, he got elected. He would come to the table and just throw it out there. Yeah. Regardless of who cares about uh, politeness or whatever it would, would mean to the other person. Like, just say your piece. Yep. And he did. Um, NPR has this piece saying, is Trump the toughest ever on Russia? Now, before that, we had this Huffington Post piece saying that he was super light on Russia. So NPR says President Trump is in the process of inviting, this is written while he was still president, inviting v Vladimir Putin to come to Washington this fall to continue the talks they started in Helsinki earlier this week. It's another sign of Trump's efforts to build closer ties with Moscow, even though he insists his administration has taken a hard line towards Russia. Quote, there's never been a president as tough on Russia as I've been. He told reporters, that might sound like hyperbole, but in this case, there's actually some basis for the president's boast. Now, you couldn't write something like this right now without mm -hmm. being on Blaze or Daily Wire or something like that. When you actually look at the substance of what this administration has done, not the rhetoric, but the substance, the administration has been much tougher on Russia than any in the post-Cold War era, uh, said, said this guy from the Atlantic Council. 
Take military spending. Trump sought to add $1.4 billion for fiscal year 2018 to the European Deterrence Initiative, a military effort to deter Russian aggression that was initially known as the European Reassurance Initiative. That's a 41% increase from the last year of the Obama administration. The president also agreed to send lethal weapons to Ukraine, a step that Obama resisted. And Trump gave U.S. forces in Syria more leeway to engage with Russian troops. Those loosened rules of engagement have resulted in direct military clashes with Russian militants and mercenaries on the ground, actually resulting in one incident and hundreds of casualties on the Russian side. Now, we don't support what was going on in Ukraine, or in, Ukraine Syria. in Syria. That's not because we're uh, shills for Putin or anything like that. Okay, though, just to get that out there, the administration also imposed sanctions on dozens of Russian oligarchs and government officials. And Trump has aggressively promoted U.S. energy exports, although so far that hasn't created much competition for Russia's oil and gas. And they say there's a real disconnect. But he did, by the way, create that competition. Mm -hmm. When America became a net exporter of oil. There is a real disconnect between the president's words and the underlying policy, said the president of Center for a New American Security. So there's one thing, a lot of these articles, like the previous Huffington Post article that we didn't have time to go into, um, they talk about all the nice things that Trump said about Russia, but they don't talk about any of the actual policies. Because if you go through the policies, he was actually pretty heavy on them. I think Trump was actually really good at dealing with dictators and authoritarians hey maybe that's because he's got a little bit of dictator authoritarianism inside him i don't know but you saw that he was able to talk with north korea uh, he's able to he knows how these people want to interact with people he understands that what they really want is respect they want to be massaged a little bit while you're mm -hmm. talking to them you know they want some nice words all these people want in their lives are nice words said about them that's why they censor everyone who says bad words about them they just want <laughs> nice stuff okay but when it actually comes to the policies he was pretty tough on them okay and i just this whole narrative has shifted so much now where trump basically allowed for this to happen even though he did give weapons to ukraine obama didn't uh, he did impose a lot of sanctions on Russia. Biden he released blocked the Nordstrom two pipeline. Yeah, Biden released the sanctions on the pipeline. I mean, there's just there's not really any evidence on this whole thing other than you go to that Russia collusion narrative that went on for four mm. or five years. And if you still have everyone's brains filled with that, then you're able to constantly make this argument that Trump was essentially some kind of Russian plant. But then when you figure out that that whole narrative was false. And then you can look at the details and you're not seeing that. Do I have to say one more time that neither one of us voted for Trump either times he ran for office? Nope. Never okay. voted for him. All right. Didn't vote for the guy. I guess I do have to, uh, I guess I do have to say that again. There's a statement here from the Libertarian Party, Charlie. Should we still be in NATO? You want to do that real quick? I know you've, you've actually got to go here, don't you? Yeah, I do have to go. Yeah. Um, I was thinking, should we pick up this conversation or we need to get this out? Um, when? You mean later on today? It wouldn't be till three. Hmm. A break? It's up to you. Like halftime? It's up to you. We can do that. Okay. Would you guys be up for coming back at, say, three central? I just central? feel like there's so much more to go through. Oh, yeah. We didn't get through. We have like another whole 25% of the stuff that's in here. But I do have to go. Love you. Bye. Yeah, let's, let's uh, do that. Of course, this break right here is Charlie's fault, but we're going to go and uh, get hydrated and uh, talk to some people, make some phone calls, uh, go over the playbook, see what we did right, see what we did wrong, make some halftime adjustments, 
and uh, and then we'll come back. So I guess I'll I did a little recap here. So w- number one, why is this all important? Because it sounds like we're just over here being some Trump and Putin apologist for the last hour mm. or so. Is that what it sounds like? Well, that is how it would be interpreted by people who only have uh, very simple reasoning skills inside it. No offense. I don't want to be offensive to anyone. Like Rachel Maddow. Yeah. People who just hear whatever it is we've been saying, they just think, okay, well, these are just some Trump apologists. They're just some right-wing extremists, stuff like that. This is not about Trump at all. This is about the principle behind what the media is doing, the way that they create these teams, the way that they manipulate people and they change history and they lump these people into different groups. They use this hatred for Trump. They put everyone together in these groups. And even if you have a nuanced viewpoint, like libertarians, by the way, libertarians are very strong on the idea that we shouldn't have NATO. Well, right now that lumps you in with Trump. It lumps you in with Putin. That makes you a Nazi also somehow, which we already talked about all the problems going on with that. And the reason we keep talking about Trump so much and some of the history behind whether or not he was tough on Russia is because the facts actually matter when all this stuff is going on. So if they're saying that he was easy on Russia, they're saying that he's a Putin puppet. They're lumping everyone together with that. They're saying that he supports the invasion. The facts behind all of this actually matter, especially when anyone that says we shouldn't be involved gets lumped into that whole wing right there. So, and, and I want to say <laughs> what's funny is uh, someone in the group, Joe just commented something about dismantling NATO. Yeah, you do it from a, I like that position of strength, not from weakness. That would, I'm not saying that we should do it right now. The next line I had in my notes, because I knew what thoughts that would drive in someone that was listening, is I'm not saying we should abandon NATO right now. I wouldn't just jump out of it right now. That's because you already had this whole podcast mapped out since last night. So I, the next line was BT dub. I'm not saying we should abandon NATO period. Let me check that. Let's see if this is in your notes. What I'm saying is we should be allowed to have a conversation about it without being called Nazis. That is the point of this conversation right now. We can entertain all the nuanced viewpoints, the different sides of the viewpoints about alliances and NATO and the UN and all of this stuff. You should be able to talk about those things without just being called a Nazi after you talk about it. You should it. be able to have, have a or, conversation of, yeah. of the possibilities. Yeah. A Putin what would this stooge. look like if this was it? What is Putin's motivation? Can anybody tell me what Putin's motivation is besides Putin? Yeah. Yeah. Right, so the, it's up for speculation to be like, huh? I wonder if it's because of this. I wonder if it's because of NATO's expansion that helped drive Putin to invade Ukraine. I just heard. I this, wonder if that's possible. Just heard this quote where Putin was talking about how they consider Ukraine uh, the historic part of Russia and the rich history between the two of them, and I'm like, ah, oh, the rich history. Yeah, you remember back when we called them all kulaks and starved two or three million of them to death? <laughs> oh, man, you can't just look back on history and not be like, oh, I wish we were part of Russia. <laughs> that would just be great. Mm. You got you to gotta appreciate that history. Yeah. Okay, anyway, are we, you going to do this uh, This We NPR? love those rich people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can. Well, uh, maybe we'll tag team this one. It's got some length to it. So this is coming from NPR. This is this year, by the way. Um, this is from a few. They up, updated this just a few days yeah, ago. Updated February twenty fourth from NPR. So luckily, I mean, I it can't get more. Well, it could, but 
I mean, NPR is pretty standard, run of the mill, like middle of the road, literally government funded media, government funded reporting. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know how you could be, I don't know, a Putin sympathizer when if you're just reading this article, but uh, it's how NATO's expansion helped drive Putin to invade Ukraine. This is something that we've been talking about. So the question, should NATO, the mutual defense pact form in the wake of World War II, that has long served to represent Western interest and counter Russia's influence in Europe, expand eastward? NATO's founding articles declare that any European country that is able to meet the alliance's criteria for membership can join. This includes Ukraine. The U.S. and its allies in Europe have repeatedly said they are committed to that open-door policy. But in the words of Russian President Vladimir Putin, NATO's eastward march, eastward march represents decades of broken promises from the West to Moscow, which is true. Kind of. I mean, they didn't have it in writing, but, but kind of. Quote, you promised us in the 1990s that NATO would not move an inch to the east, which President George H.W. Bush said uh, would not move one inch, not one inch. Which, by the way, you should never trust what American president says. Mm-hmm. Okay? They, they, like I said, they never had this in writing. This was a, uh, this was a, a backdoor handshake deal, yeah. essentially. Well, see, that's the thing. You never know who's going to be in power. So like Joe said, Bush did honor that. Clinton did not. NATO expanded during Clinton's years. Uh, the U.S. says, uh, uh, Putin continues here. He said, you cheated us shamelessly. So he's mad about that. And uh, can you blame him? So what you were saying is they're justified in invading no. Ukraine. No. no that's I'm, all I heard I'm you saying, saying, right? That's it. He's justified in being <laughs> angry about being cheated. Yeah. Okay. The U.S. says a ban on, uh, I think he's allowed to feel his feelings. It's his truth. Exactly. <laughs> That doesn't mean he can act on them. Yeah. Because you're responsible for your behaviors and your actions, but mm-hmm. you can sure feel those feelings, Mr. Putin. He can be mad if this he wants to. This is 2022. Yeah. You can get angry and pound your fist on the desk if you want to. The U.S. says a ban on expansion was never on the table, although there are recordings of George H.W. Bush saying that. But Russia insists it was, and now Putin is demanding a permanent ban on Ukraine from joining the pact. There is some disagreement about what took place during the Baker Gorbachev talks in February. Gorbachev. Ni- Sorry, Gorbachev talks in 1990. Some say that when Baker suggested that NATO shift from not one inch to the east, he intended to refer only to East Germany because neither side had begun to think about NATO expansion beyond that. What is not in dispute? Gorbachev later agreed to withdraw from East Germany in exchange for financial concessions in a treaty that did not place limits on the future expansion of NATO. This was a bad negotiation. Yeah, thanks, Gorbachev, <laughs> is what Putin should be saying. Why did the West want to enlarge NATO and how did Russia react? From the beginning, Russia strongly objected to NATO's borders creeping closer to its territory. In 1997, President Boris Yeltsin I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that correctly. That was right. If you wouldn't, I would have said it. Yeah. <laughs> Tried to secure a guarantee from Bill Clinton that NATO would not add any former Soviet republics. Clinton refused. Over I the- will not. <laughs> I will not guarantee NATO will not expand. <laughs> Over the course of the 1990s and early 2000s, NATO expanded three times, which is why he couldn't guarantee it, by the way because it was already in the plans. First to add the Czech Republic, Hungary, and Poland, then seven more countries even further east, including the former Soviet republics of Estonia, 
I think it's Latvia. Latvia. I got a map up here for anyone and paying attention, by the way, if you can if you can see it on the thing. And Lithuania, and finally with Albania and Croatia in 2009. So, so these countries right here on this map, by the way, the light blue are people who joined before 1992. And the, the, the brighter blue that you can see right here, those are people who joined since 1992. And so they, okay, did they creep eastward after 1992? It does look like they did. Quite a bit. Now, I don't know if we mentioned yet, but I don't think that that means you can go and invade a country and kill a bunch of people. Okay? I don't think it does. Mm. But you can at least, you have to be able to talk about people's viewpoints on this. You have to. If you just ignore it, you can't talk about it, you can't mention it, you can't say, oh, okay, well, this is why Putin is upset. This is why Russia is upset about this uh, is because NATO is expanding out here. I mean, you could say, well, don't worry about it. If you don't do anything wrong, you don't have anything to worry about. You know, just uh, if there's nothing to hide, there's nothing to fear with this. Now ask yourself, what if Russia had its own version of NATO in Canada and Mexico? Mm -hmm. Would we have something to say about that? I believe we did have something to say about that. Uh, back in the back in the fifties, we had some stuff to say about Russia getting a little bit too close. With, so when they were so, in Cuba, yeah. Mm. So yeah, yeah. There, there are there. There's definitely room for conversation on this. Um, you can see what Russia really wants to do, which is expand this border out here outward. I, I'm surprised. I mean, I know that they're kind of they're kind of teamed up with Belarus right now. They're even talking about Belarus helping in this whole invasion right now. Fifty percent of Belarus's trade. Uh, is with Russia. So they're definitely strong allies. They're not part of NATO. So they're just trying to regain the old Soviet Union. And the idea here is that they, they've always had, we said this earlier before halftime, they always wanted to take Ukraine back. That's, a, that's, always, been, that's always been their goal. And they see this NATO expansion, this possibility that they're going to join NATO. So say, okay, it's now or never. We got we to gotta do it now. This is our time. So anyway, sorry, just talking. It's our time. It's our time right now. We get America has a weak president. Let's go in. Uh, also, pandemic. Everybody's everybody's economies are down in the tubes. It's a, it's a good time to strike. And uh, so, question from the group here from Todd: Can these independent nations not align themselves with other nations? Um, yeah, I was going to talk about this here in a bit, but I think it's okay to be aligned. What I don't like is having something. I understand the point of it. It's to deter something from happening. The question is, if Ukraine was already part of NATO, then would Russia be invading Ukraine right now? No, probably not. Mm -mm. No, that, that they wouldn't. So I understand the deterrence. But when it comes to actually signing a pact that an invasion on one is a, an attack on one is an attack on all, us committing our money and our troops and our blood uh, for whatever's going on over here on the other side of the world, uh, when something like this happens, I don't see it as I don't see it as constitutional, like we talked about before the break. I think we should, if we're going to be a part of these alliances, they need to be re-upped every couple of years, just like you would have to re-up a war every couple of years. Mm -hmm. Essentially, right now, what we have is a authorization of use of military force with a whole bunch of other countries. You know, we don't have a declaration of war. We've got an executive order, basically, saying that we could go to war at any time. Yeah. I don't like that. I see that as really dangerous. And it's, we have no idea what the motivation for this is, honestly. I mean, Putin could be trying to reach Zelensky for his car's extended warranty. You know? Yeah. That's what, that's what could be <laughs> happening. And he's just using brutal tactics to do so. 
So, uh, but yeah, it should be. I mean, you think about all the stuff you have to renew all the time. Be, why do you have to renew things all the time? Because I don't know, things change. So wouldn't it make sense that you would uh, renew these types of things? I am. Um, and the reason why he's invading now, though, is because talks had uh, basically disintegrated, essentially, into Ukraine trying to join NATO, saying, hey, we really want to be a part of NATO. Please accept us. And Russia's like, don't you dare do it. And Ukraine's <laughs> like, no, we really want to do it. And they're like, okay, well, we don't want you to do it. So now we're going to take you over because you can't be independent. You want to join NATO and we don't want you to join NATO. So now we're going to do something before you get the opportunity to join NATO because we don't want world war three. It's that kind of specific and detailed analysis that keeps people coming back and coming back every single day to listen to this podcast. Let me just tell you what it is that kind of, <laughs> that kind of detail. You're welcome. And specificity. I wanted to address another thing from the, this is going to kind of be a live group chat thing. <laughs> I think, um, it seemed like you guys were against U.S. troops, sanctions, and financial aid to Ukraine. And so what are we supposed to do? Spectate. Definitely against U.S. troops, for sure. Sanctions, I'm not exactly against the sanctions. My main point on that is that we need to realize that those have actual ramifications on people and don't just... I want them to be thought about properly and not just say, okay, we're just going to throw around these sanctions. That's going to be awesome. We have to... We have to realize that when we put these sanctions on the country, it's going to affect a lot of normal people who aren't going to be able to get out from under it. And so, I mean, we read earlier that they can't they can't use Apple Pay or Google Pay. The ruble has fallen by forty percent. Their stocks, uh, this the Russian stock market, fell by fifty percent. So it has they shut it down. It has yeah. ramifications on the actual people trying to live in Russia, like real human beings that are innocent who. Uh, maybe even didn't want to go to war. They yeah. don't want to go to war with Ukraine. They're still going to suffer consequences uh, as well. So and who then, are you actually hurting? Are you hurting Putin? And only if the people rise up and knock him out of power. That's the only way that you actually end up hurting Putin right there. And that's whether or not they were even able to do that. And then the financial aid to Ukraine, I, I've got an annoying viewpoint on this. And that annoying viewpoint is that we don't have any money to give anyone financial aid. And I realize that we spend money that we don't have all the time, but I wouldn't be able to authorize any new money that has to be taken out as debt on American citizens to give out to, uh, to another country. Do I hope that as many people as possible started a GoFundMe and gave them money so they would be able to rebuild and stuff like that? Sure, I want people to be able to do that. But taking money from my from Charlie's grandkids and all that uh, to give aid to Ukraine. I don't see that I have the right to do that. And since I don't have the right to do it, I don't think the government has the right to do it either. It'd be one thing if we were sitting here on an old, nice, fat surplus with a bunch of money in the bank that we were just itching to spend somewhere. And I, I think that would be one thing, but I can't, I, I, I can't talk about giving aid to people when we don't have any money. But I just can't do it. The question is, why is it that we need to help them? Yeah, that's, I mean, there's other countries I, close to them that need to help them, by the way. Those well, are the, and I'm not anti-help. Yeah. It doesn't mean I'm anti-help, but what, why, why do we need to be involved? That's the biggest question for me. Why does it, why do we need to be involved? Why do we have to be there? It, to me, it makes no sense. There, this is, this is, you know, just like the Middle East. Why do we need to be in the Middle East? These are countries that have been fighting with each other for years. And it's like, is the fear is that Russia is going to take over all of Europe and then they're going to be so big they're going to take over America too? 
I mean, is that the actual fear? Is that we think that they're just going to take over everything? Is that actually going to happen? I, I think I that's. I think that's the um, logical conclusion. There is that it won't stop here. It's going to go out to all the other nations. I think that's a little. Bit, I think. I mean, if you're looking at the map, I mean, you know, they got a ways to go. There's a lot. <laughs> I mean, I think this is honestly a problem for our grandkids. We don't even need to be talking about it. <laughs> From looking at the map right here, we're going to be fine. Okay, so and let look, them worry. Don't about get it. me wrong. I, I, I think there's evil out there, and I think that you know, if somebody wanted to take over the entire world and rule it as a dictator, there's probably somebody out there that does. Could mm-hmm. that that could be Putin? Who knows? Now it could be China. Here as well. Who knows? Here's but, why. But, I, you think American can actually, I don't know. I guess I believe in America more than I thought. Like, I don't think we can be defeated at this point. Mm. Even if Russia takes Ukraine, I don't think we can be defeated. What about Russia and China together? Russia, China taking Ukraine and all of the ones that joined NATO recently. I don't think we can be defeated still. I I just don't. Go-kart tracks. <laughs> Any of that. Yeah. It doesn't matter. We'll take them on anytime. It doesn't matter how okay, many people are there. What? What actually happens in that scenario, it ends up being a, an all-out nuclear war, which means we're all dead anyway. Yeah. So what are we, I don't, which I guess could you could argue the point then, well, then if we stop them from taking Ukraine, well, then we end, we won't have the potential for nuclear war. Fair enough. But, I mean, do they want nuclear war too? I, who knows? Now, if, as Marco Rubio has alluded to that I found out through the live group that, um, it, it, that, Putin may have a brain tumor. If it was a madman who mm-hmm. just wanted to see, you know, mutual destruction, which you could argue that's what Hitler's goal, ultimate goal was as well, uh, then there's nothing you can do about that anyway, regardless of what he takes over. I don't know. I don't know the answer. That's the thing. I don't know. And that's, it's very difficult, but I see it the way our founders saw it, which is we have no dog in the hunt over there. I, I don't think we do yet. I, I think, think it, it's okay to see this. And well, somebody tell me what the American interest is. What is the American interest in Ukraine? The American interest is not right now. It's eventually if they continue. That's where the American interest is, and that's where I think a lot of people decide that they have to be stopped. Uh, Joe Bizzle several times uh, in the group has said the libertarian response is to sell weapons to Ukraine. We do have a lot of weapons. We have a lot of companies that make weapons. And um, I, sure, I think selling that, including a nuke. Hey, we totally boned them on this whole nuke thing, by the way. Uh, it might be different if they actually had some nukes out there. So, yeah, sure. Surprise, sell them whatever. Ukraine hasn't joined Russia to be mad at us. I can't, <laughs> I can't stop them from buying stuff on the market. That's fine. Uh, I don't really want my money going to... Uh, to make all of that and and uh, at, at way more uh, expensive prices than what they all should be made at or anything like that. But whatever, we'll talk about the military-industrial complex some other time. But yeah, sure, selling weapons so they can defend themselves. All right, continue, sure. continue on, continuing on here real quick. Why is Ukraine important? It's coming from NPR. Ukraine, as the largest former Soviet republic in Europe besides Russia itself, has been a key part of alliance talks since it declared independence from the USSR in 1991. In the three decades since, NATO expansion has put four members on Ukraine's borders. Putin himself has long said that he believes Ukrainians and Russians to be a single people unified by language, culture, and religion. 
For the U.S. and its Western allies, a successful and independent Ukraine was a potent potential symbol that Russia's time as a powerful empire had come to an end. During the early 2000s, uh, President George W. Bush pushed for Ukraine to become a NATO member. So defying what his father's words were. France and Germany opposed it, fearing escalation with Russia. The result was a worst-of-all-worlds compromise in 2008, Gold, Gold Gear said, a promise that Ukraine would eventually join NATO but without any concrete timeline or pathway to do so. When the compromise was announced, some analysis were surprised that there was, there was not this major temper tantrum from Putin and Russia, said Rose Gottenweiler, an American diplomat who served as deputy secretary. Why has this come up again now? Now, Russia's protest over Ukraine's future membership have put the U.S. and NATO in a difficult spot over NATO's open-door policy. Quote, The latter Moscow protested the more determined Western capitals became to deny Russia what was seen as a veto over alliance decision-making. Samuel Charop, a Russian specialist at Rand Corp., wrote I wanted, the financial to say, times. I wanted to say something from earlier. They said that this was the worst compromise uh, that happened in 2008. Um, basically the promise that Ukraine would eventually do it, but they didn't line out any kind of timeline for them to do it. So they essentially put them, they, they put them as a target for Russia uh, by saying that they could eventually join NATO and then didn't actually line out any timeline or concrete way that they were going to do yeah. it. And so they essentially created all of the, all of the upset there in Russia, but then never really came up with a plan for them to be able to join NATO. Uh, we could have a conspiracy yeah. theory podcast about that if you want to. We'll do that at a later time. Mm. You know, You're like, look, hey, we're going to adopt you, but not right now. Yeah, so yeah, we're going to have an adoption party uh, for your future adoption, <laughs> even though your dad wants you back. <laughs> and uh, you know, he may fight to get you one day, but you're going to be ours. Actually, you're going to keep living with your dad <laughs> while we're working on the next. Year, we'll adopt. We'll, you're going to live next to your dad. We're going to adopt you. Uh, a few years from now, like yeah, a few years, and you, you guys work it out. You know, it'll be fine. Yeah, and you're like, well, <laughs> when are when are you going to adopt me? Oh, soon, sometime. <laughs> Russia's annex, uh, Russia's annex. It. I can't say that word for some reason. Mm. Annexation. Annexation. I kept stumbling. Russia's annex annexation of Crimea from Ukraine in 2014 was a major turning point. Afterward, popular support for joining NATO rose among Ukrainians who had once been more ambivalent about the alliance. Quote, Putin has constructed in his head and in his heart perhaps the idea that NATO is encircling him and that has always been the intention, said Rice, speaking at a council on foreign relations panel. Ukraine is moving closer to the West, but it is doing it because the Russians have been annexing Ukrainian territory and threatening the Ukrainians. Putin, over his 22 years now in power, has tried and failed repeatedly to bring Ukraine back into the fold. And I think he senses that now, in, in, now is his time to take care of his unfinished business. Before the tumor plays out. Before. His head. Okay. Yeah, before he dies. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I just added that last part in there. I mean, he's probably getting older. I mean, been in uh, power for 22 years now. 100% fact check true. He is getting older. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we know that. It's just as far as science works and time uh, in general continues moving forward. <laughs> okay, the reason I wanted to talk about this today was that I'm annoyed that we can't just have that conversation that we just had. Well, uh, we can. Well, we can. 
But I don't feel like being lumped in with Trump and Nazis and Putin because we just had a nuanced conversation about why Putin's bad and whether or not NATO is a good thing. That's what a Nazi would say. Mm-hmm. It is. <laughs> it is. I'm just out of myself. And like, there's nothing right there. you could do to get around. I know. Because they'll just come out and say, well, every white right winger I've spoken to espouses the same points that you're making. It's, it's so like you, a, you like, have to be this. It's like your white fragility. You know? Yeah. It's like you denying that you're racist. It's crazy that this viewpoint, that, and that's why all that stuff is so important, by the way. It's not that each little specific thing, it's the mentality behind all of those ideas, because these end up having very important real world ramifications. And so when you have those little subjective ideas, your truth is truth and all this stuff, it ends up playing itself out in a whole lot of other big ways that you don't think about when you're thinking about someone's dumbass book you know and how many times have we told you on this podcast that the chickens will come home to pasture that every day every day I, is, I wake up and i say the chickens are they home to pasture yet and this is where mm-hmm. this is how it's playing out mm-hmm. that's a great point you just brought up though i mean all these little things that we talk about that sound kind of annoying it's all part of a bigger piece of cake <laughs> okay yes. that's got many layers and I hope it has cream cheese frosting because that's mm-hmm. the best kind of frosting that you can put on a cake. I don't really like cake that much, but it's all part of this bigger piece is when you have this type of mentality, it's something I was talking about earlier in, in the first half, which is like when you have all these conflicting ideologies and all this stuff trying to make one cake, it turns out to be a donkey turd. I think, I think, <laughs> I think the the nuclear war is going to come from the all the ideas just banging up against each other. It's going to be like this nuclear, this fusion that we're going That'll to achieve fission. Bet- between fission, 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 between, between ideas. They're just going to rub together and get so hot that eventually we're all just going to explode. And where there's smoke, there's fire and bombs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What else? Friction. What else? They call it friction. This statement from the Libertarian Party, they made this, uh, I think, last week. So should we still be in NATO? Is this a question right here? Here's a Libertarian Party stance on this. We'll see what anyone thinks about it. The United States' involvement in NATO puts us in a compromising position, one which is compounded further by the fact that Congress no longer authorizes war and that our military is controlled by a small facet of unelected bureaucrats and what President Eisenhower called the military-industrial complex. It is time for cooler heads to prevail and for libertarians and all wishing to avoid worldwide conflict to call on the U.S. to cut ties with NATO and to end all other entangling alliances. Such entanglements are more cause for war than peace, and the tit-for-tat relationships promote escalation and retaliation. Americans ought to abide by the wisdom of those who came before us who learned the hard-fought lessons of war rather than trust those who will not do the fighting to make the right decisions. Uh, can I get an amen and a woman? I think that's pretty good. I, I kind of agree with that. The other thing is, like, does NATO make us safer? Does it make us safer? That's a question I want to know. Like, are we like, oh, we're getting invaded by someone. Oh, I hope NATO shows up soon to take care of <laughs> China's rolling across the Rocky Mountains right now. When are the NATO tanks going to start rolling in? Oh, man. Good thing we're safe. Yeah. Good thing we joined NATO. That's awesome. No, that's, that's not what's going to happen. NATO exists so we can protect other people. That's why we give all the money to it. It's a back door for America to go around the world. It is. Now, that's a conspiracy, I know, but that's exactly what it is. What else could it be for? (laughs) Like, as you said, is it really to protect us? 
It's to it's the whole idea is to protect basically against from a, another Hitler. That is the whole idea that if all these countries are banded together, then the idea that someone's going to go from country to country, taking it over, and eventually they're going to expand their power and be this massive superpower, that you're going to stop that from happening. And they're going to be stopped right there in their tracks and they can't expand anymore. It's really nice once we do all of our expanding and everyone else does all their expanding that we decide that there's no more expanding that's going to happen between yeah, nations. Right. For a long time, all these nations were uh, totally fine going amongst all these other countries and expanding their, their power. But we decided uh, that it's time to stop. <clears throat> I, I think that it should be time to stop. Definitely because I don't like war and we're against death for sure on this podcast. But um, it's... That's the only thing is to stop that Hitler idea. That's why we keep saying, well, is is Putin going to stop at Ukraine? Is he going to is he going to grab some more places after that? And then Russia is going to be this massive superpower bigger than what they are right now. I don't think that their economy can even handle that in the first place. Jeez, mm -hmm. it's a, I don't even think that it's possible. But um, <clears throat> I I don't think that we need that. For instance, if someone invaded us right now, do you think that no one's going to come and help? Like, oh, well, they're not a member of NATO. <laughs> we don't need to do anything about that. Yeah. You know, the U.S., they're not on board. Now, we might have pissed enough people off that, you know, when someone does invade, they're going to turn around and be like, oh, that sucks. Nothing to see Sorry, here. Sorry, my phone, yeah. uh, I wasn't around my phone to take the call or anything. Mm -hmm. But really, is it really protecting us? If someone, you, you really think that if it weren't for NATO, that if someone invaded France, if Russia just rolled on around and invaded France, that like no one's going to do anything. Like, oh, well, they're not in NATO, you know? Right. No reason we're going to do anything. No, that's that's not what's going to happen. We're they're still going to do things to protect them. All There's a lot of other countries around there, by the way, with uh, with some decent militaries that that's would also, do that. We're not, in the, we're not in the freaking 30s and 40s anymore. That's not even what happened during World War II, by the way. <laughs> like, all the, the countries joined together. It was the Allied versus the... Uh, Oh, dang it. I'm sorry. France was a bad example. Let's name someone who wouldn't surrender before the boats even hit the shore. What? Uh, what's It's allied versus, uh, what's the other? Uh, somebody help me. The, the Axis. The Axis. The Axis and allies. The Axis of evil. So they. they oh, sorry, that was. Uh, all the countries came together for World War II. Mm -hmm. I mean, so. We didn't have a. NATO wasn't the thing then. That's weird. Huh. How is that even possible? I don't know. It is weird to say that we have to have this to stop a Hitler from, from coming through, but we didn't have the NATO before that, and we still came together, and we took out someone. So, yeah. But, Nate, tell us, tell us the biggest suspension here for the, the biggest oh, yeah. sanction for Russia, probably. Well, well this is the biggest one. This is one. what's going to actually cause all hell to break chains. From WAPO, FIFA suspends Russia from playing international soccer indefinitely. Mm. Now, this is the kind of sanctions... We yeah. can believe in because no um, Russians on the pitch. As um, I was on the on with Alex Abernathy. I'll be I'll put up the episode on our channel sometime too. I'll put a link to the episode. He called it I think communist football. So what he called it? Pretty sure communist kickball. Communist. That's kickball. what it was. Yeah. He's like I don't pay attention much to communist kickball. Yeah. FIFA soccer FIFA soccer's global governing body suspended Russian teams from playing international soccer until further notice. The organization said in a statement on Monday. I wonder what Ted Lasso <clears throat> would say about that. UE UEFA, the governing body of European soccer, joined FIFA in announcing the suspension, which will also apply to Russian club teams. This decision aligns with the International Olympic Committee Executive Board's recommendation Monday that international federations and organizations should not allow or invite Russian or Belarusian athletes or officials to participate in events. 
It comes one day after FIFA announced a series of initial measures to penalize Russia. A suspension rather than a ban leaves the door open for Russia to return to World Cup qualifying in the situation if the situation in Ukraine changes. Russia was scheduled to play Poland in the semifinal match on March 24th. Uh, let's see, with the winner facing either the Czech Republic or Sweden for winning Europe's final three spots in the World Cup, all three teams announced earlier this week that they would boycott games against Russia. Because Russia was going to play with tanks. <laughs> so this, this one might work. This one might work. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, you know those soccer, those footballers are pretty pissed. But I do like the individual organizations standing up like this. And uh, I think that that's a good... I, I think that that's a good way to do it. It's a little bit more peaceful way to do it. So when we talk about sanctions and, and all of that, for instance, uh, I, I took the story out of here, but Greg Abbott was calling on companies and people basically not to do business with Russia. Now, he can't announce any, announce any sanctions or anything. I guess he could, he could make some state-level moves to harm people that were doing business with Russia, but basically asking, you know, let's just not do any business. With, uh, with Russia, guys. You know, we want to support Ukraine here. And then those businesses, like if we have a business and we were doing business with Russia, like we could make that decision to not do that. And you would hope that the cause is so important that people would, would basically decide that they weren't going to do the business and you wouldn't need the government market. to come in and do this. Yeah, free, that's a word for it. <laughs> a free market of people deciding. Yeah, be a free market of so, people. So that's where I have the, the conflict with sanctions. And uh, the, the, the place where I have the conflict is when you own yourself and you own your business and you're selling something to someone in another country, I feel weird about your, about your government saying that you can't sell something to a specific area. I know that they have the purview over this trade and everything. I'm just saying when it comes to individual rights and individual liberty, the government coming in and saying that I can't sell something to Russia seems like it doesn't follow those principles mm-hmm. very well. But mm-hmm. I, I'm, I know that sanctions are preferable to war. My only, my only point about the sanctions earlier in the first half was that I don't want to act like they're not hurting anyone or that they're only hurting Putin or the top people in the government. Because while we can do those things and they might end up, they might end up working as time goes on, People need to remember what it is that they're actually doing. And when you say, I support the sanctions or I support all this stuff that we're doing, want to make sure that you're thinking about them from the standpoint of what they actually are, which is really harming the people who can least afford to be harmed in these countries. Here's an important question from the live group. Big Mm -hmm. Gus asks, uh, does Smirnoff Ice count? Mm, And I I believe that they're owned by Budweiser now, so probably not. You can still ice your friends. Okay. <laughs> Good. Good. <clears throat> uh, you can you can uh, you can ice your friends that aren't alcoholics because like I couldn't ice Nate. No. That would be. That would be. Uh, oh, that's how this whole thing started. Was I got. I'm glad I could clear that up for you, Big Gus. Mm-hmm. So icing friends for freedom. <laughs> Except Nate. Nate's <clears throat> Nate says self-proclaimed alcoholic, recovering. All right. right. Is that you're always recovering? Is what that the it, truth? I don't know how that works. Am I still a recovering alcoholic? I can think so. Like, I don't really have any issues. But you're doing really well yeah. so far. I don't really think about it. No one knows it's going to happen tomorrow. 
Yeah. You could clean this whole fridge out. I could end up in a in a ditch ten, right after this episode. You could. Yeah, there's no there's no way of knowing. There's a whole fridge full of beer over Especially there. Especially if I iced you before mm-hmm. an episode. And then we could just blame it on Russia. Should be fine. <laughs> Even though they they have nothing to do with each other, but Yeah. Okay, anything else? That was a that was a long drawn out episode. I hope everyone appreciates just the open conversation about this stuff. I get you know, a lot of the stuff that we talk about here is how the media is constantly manipulating people. And I, I refuse to stand by while people are telling us that we can't have a nuanced conversation about being in an entangling alliance that could potentially lead us into a world war. You should at least be able to have that conversation. So that really drives me nuts. I'm not saying I would draw us from NATO today. I think Trump made some good points, by the way, about we're paying a little bit unfairly into NATO, that uh, the other countries need to step it up and uh, pay and equally like we are, or so we can at least decrease what we're paying into it. Those are good first steps that we can move towards. Has NATO done anything? Has the UN done anything? Have these types of programs done anything? Where, where is the U- Is the UN rolling down Ukraine right now, defending Ukraine or anything? Are, are they a member? China, I, I think and, they are. China and Russia yeah. are members of the UN Security yeah, Council. Know, it's ridiculous. So That's right. You, uh, uh, Russia vetoed the, uh, the vote in the UN. That's right. Which is, hey, how about when there's a conflict and one country is attacking another, you don't let that country vote. vote. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Can we at least agree yeah. on that? Yeah. All right. Hilarious. <laughs> All right, y'all, if you enjoyed today's episode, I know that you did. Please hit that subscribe button. Uh, Leave us a rating and review on the Spotify reviews are climbing up. And uh, Apple Podcasts, still there. So Apple's still number one. Mm -hmm. Spotify's catching. It is. It's getting close. Would you say 22% of the plays are coming from Spotify? Yeah, our Spotify plays are up 157% Mm, compared to last month. So a lot of people on the Spotify's are uh, finding us on there. So we appreciate all the support. Uh, so leave what? us leave us that rating, five stars, if you think it's worth it. TikTok, in the last 28 days, 775,000 views on our, on our TikTok. How about that? That's pretty crazy. That's pretty nice. So maybe we are Chinese spies or something like that. I don't know. Well, I appreciate the love, mm-hmm. regardless of where it comes from. We, we don't see any color countries. It, something like that. Yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah, you do the math on that, all right? And go to goodmorningliberty.locals.com to be part of the live group. You guys would get the full shebang of what happened today from the first half to the second half to halftime. I think Nate even gave a halftime update mm-hmm. when I had to mm-hmm. leave. And so it's, you guys need to be part of the live group if you want to get in on this. Goodmorningliberty.locals.com. Uh, we are no longer accepting rubles as payment. <laughs> <laughs> as payment. It might be so, a good time to start accepting them. You're going to get way more, and then the value is likely to bounce eventually. It might. So who knows? We'll see. Um, if you do all of those things, share the show with a friend, a family member, and uh, anyone else you think that needs to hear it. We appreciate all of you guys doing that. The numbers continue to climb, so we appreciate everything that you're doing. It is a lot of fun to come here and talk with you all every single day, even those that hate me, like Costco. I still love you, brother. And one day we will see eye to shoulder, something Mm. like that. And if you do all those things, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. Liberty.